Hey there. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment and share an update on Summer Tour the Game. Uh, it's an adventure-based board game inspired by those epic trips we all had following our favorite bands on Summer Tour, but I need your help to bring this thing to life. Our long-term goal is to see Summer Tour the Game in every head shop in the country and, and eventually available at major retailers like Target and Amazon and all those places. Uh, but before we can achieve that, we need to hit our all-or-nothing goal when we launch our Kickstarter campaign on Sunday, May 12th. We'll have 30 days to make this happen. Listen, your support would mean the world to me. Even just hitting the uh, the notify me on launch button on the Kickstarter page can make a huge impact. You can learn more by visiting summertourthegame.com where you'll find detailed information, videos, a link to the Kickstarter page. You'll also find a direct link to the page in the show notes of this episode. Uh, I do hope you'll support Summer Tour the Game. It's really fun. And thanks so much for listening to Tales from the Lot. Now on with the episode. Tales from the Lot, episode 17. My guest, Michael Loy Bay, coming to you from Budapest, Hungary. He's here to talk 527.89, the AIDS benefit, some Stella Blue heartbreak, and why Billie Jean is the greatest pop song ever. Here we go. Hi, welcome to Tales from the Lot. I'm Will. My guest today is Michael Loy Bay. Uh, this is my first international version. He's coming to us from Budapest, lives in Spain, been all over the place. Hi, Michael. How you doing? How's it going? How's it going? I'm glad to be on the show. This is cool. Yeah, I'm very glad to have you on here, too. Um, we're going to talk about his first show, which was the, the AIDS Benefit Show in 527.89 and, and a bunch of other things. But, um, you know, Budapest, like, okay, what are you doing in Budapest? That's a, that's a, a cool place to be. So I'm a, I'm a teacher. I teach anthropology. And um, as of late, like the last 10 years, I've been teaching anthropology to design students um Fantastic. basically i'm the the party pooper the the one that slams on the brakes and so all this bs isn't isn't released on the market <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but um yeah so i live in in madrid um i'm originally austrian i live in madrid and i grew up in the san francisco bay area and so that wow. was my my exposure to the Grateful Dead, and um, and right now I'm out in Budapest um, teaching for a week and a half at this school here. Gotcha. So, uh, so growing up, what what music were you listening to? What you know before you got to the Bay Area, or, or, or when you got there? What what were you into as a child? Right. So my musical journey. <laughs> so, um, um, I always I always loved music. Uh, it always touched me very very hard, um, and. You know, as a teenager, so I moved to the Bay Area when I was 12. So that would be in, um, in 83. Um, we moved there. And so I was in the, I was in the famous Palo Alto. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. All the, but this is before all the high tech, before it was even Silicon Valley, right? Right. Yep. So I was just a teenager. I was just going to junior high school there and, and high school and, and so on. And, and so I was listening to the basics, like like Michael Jackson. That, that was like my teenage staple diet. I still think Thriller is an incredible album, actually. <laughs> I just listened to that yesterday, actually. Like, and, and you know, in '83, you really could not avoid Michael Jackson. It's just how it was, right? He was, but he it was, was quality commercials and everything else. He was just everywhere. <laughs> like when I have these sorts of nerdy, um, no offense, <laughs> but these nerdy no, music conversations. Um, I always say I think the best pop song ever written is Billie Jean. 
I love oh. that song. The Billy oh, is incredible. I think the, beat, the bass line, uh, just the, the bass line, how the exactly. words flow. Yeah, it's all exactly. So good. And, and when the when that jumps. shuffling beat comes in and it just drives mm -hmm. and it grooves and it's there's not that much going on. It's like sparse. It's cool. Yeah, but uh, great so video then, too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the yeah. the moonwalk. Um, yeah. But so from then, so I have a uh, my cousin is a year older than me. Um, he's in he's living in Austria. And he back and we've always been in like musical dialogues and conversations. And so he really gave me that big step. He recorded on some, um, you know, cassettes, Dolby cassettes, um, the 90 minute ones that had pretty good sound, actually. Um, yeah. And so he would give me I would be there in the summer in Austria. And then as a kind of gift, he would give me a few tapes. Right. And. Mm -hmm. I remember the first couple were um, Pink Floyd uh, animals on one side, which blew me away. I think that was my introduction yeah. to Pink Floyd, which is right. an underrated album. I think. I think That's it's my an amazing. Favorite Floyd album. It's That's an amazing album. It's so old. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, I can't remember exactly, but some Jethro Tull. I got really into Jethro Tull, mm -hmm. like. Nerd, real geek geek wise <laughs> i saw them like six times i ended up, oh, well. i met ian anderson once got his signature nice. and shit like this yes. it was like a an asexual groupie is like what i'd like to call it <laughs> uh, right. yeah i just wanted to meet these people and then um you know blues uh, i got into john lee hooker and bb king um this kind of stuff um gary moore i remember mm -hmm listening to that um in terms of hard music uh, my introductions were deep purple and black sabbath and this kind of stuff rainbow right. i like oh, yeah. rainbow a lot um the richie blackmore stuff um right. so did, did i sammy i hagar really... sing in that? did sammy hagar sing in that band Rainbow. He might have for one of the revivals or something, but not originally. Yeah. You know that it was Ronnie. Yeah, it was yeah. Ronnie James Dio. It was That's Dio. Right. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that kind of spooky, mystic stuff, and then Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think my first one was Physical Graffiti. Actually, oh, not a strange yeah. sort of entrance. Um. And so my f my friends were really into. So now we're talking high school. I graduated in '89, so. You know, 87, 88 is when we really listen to to what I consider cool music, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they were really into some of the stuff that was super popular, like U2, the, the rattle and hum thing, and, <laughs> and Joshua Tree. I think those are good albums, but back then I, I was almost like rebelling it because everyone was listening to it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was like, I, no, I'm into I'm Pink with Floyd you. and Seth Rotol, you know? Um, I'm with you on the U2 thing, but but when Rattle and Hum came out, there was something about that album that, that I did like, and that's like I could. It's still an out country album. album. It's yeah, Irish it's guys a, doing an out country album, and it works. Yeah. I, I think it's good. Yeah. 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 Um, and they were into Peter Gabriel that I never got into the whole Sledgehammer thing, and oh, <laughs> I hate that no. song actually. Yeah. But um, and so my um. I'll get to when I was exposed to the dead in a second, but I was, uh, my first concert, um, my very first rock concert was actually Roger Waters um, uh. in Oakland. It was for the Radio Chaos 
Um, I, I still think his solo albums are underrated. I think there's some really good stuff. Even the last one, I really quite like, actually. Um, so that was my first concert. My, um, let's see, my introduction to the Grateful Dead, I actually searched through my, um, through my memories, right? Because this kind of stuff gets mixed up, right? It does. Yeah. So I remember when I, my very first um, time, they, the very first time they came on the radar, Right when there was like this very strong signal that hit me, and it wasn't even music. I remember in in junior high school, I guess seventh grade, this guy, Rahim is his name. I I stayed in touch with him a little bit. Um, he wore this bright red, orange, yellow, psychedelic Grateful Dead art T-shirt. You know the, uh -huh. the iconic. I don't know if it was like the floating eyeball thingy or that surfer. I love that one, the Californian surfer. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I've been looking to get that on a T-shirt because I love that, <laughs> that art. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I do, the, yeah. I've seen yeah. It. It's like, the, it's the like this dude. Yeah, he's catching a yeah. tube, right? And and, yeah. and it says Grateful Dead. Um, so that was like an impact. I was like, what is this? And I read Grateful Dead and it looked kind of heavy. And ironic, I think the Grateful Dead are heavy, not in the sense, obviously, of speed or of heavy guitar, not in that sense, but they hit mm -hmm. heavy. It's like it can get pretty dark. Uh, yeah, um, the emotional weight of it's, it. it hits, that's what I'm saying, yeah. And yeah. there's a little YouTube clip of, <laughs> of Ryan Adams where he plays an acoustic version of, um, what is it, China Doll or, no, Wharf Rat. Warfrat. And he said that, and I agree fully with him. He says that when he's in a kind of a strange place, um, bad, you know, mental state, he listens to heavy music like metal and, mm -hmm. and the Grateful Dead. And that really resonated with me. But so that, so that was the first sort of, okay, there's that, there's that universe. Um, my first, introduction to them was a mixtape a friend of mine gave me classic you know this must have been 10th grade or something mm -hmm. and she put on there you know a lot of the europe 72 stuff um and um some some of the studio albums and she just packed one of these 90 minute tapes with the dead and that that wreck that tape i had running so often mm -hmm. um one time my car was broken into and that was the first thing I thought about. I was like, yeah, I love that thing. Um, and that's interesting. And yeah, so most people, it seems like most people end up with like a, a whole, like a friend will give them a show to listen to. And, 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 and a lot of times their first op opinion is, well, it's okay. You know, and then they go and then they get it and it's, it's all good. But the mixtape might be the way to go to, to, uh, to get. Some <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. See, it's yeah. a, and I, I, I totally know what you're saying. I always suffer when I try to turn on someone to the Grateful Dead. It's like the worst for everyone. Like I've stopped trying, <laughs> honestly, because what do you, what do you play? Like, like someone like you that obviously knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, I could find some tracks that, that you would love right now. And you would find some tracks that I would love that I've never heard. But with a with a virgin, so to speak, who's someone who's has no idea. It's like 
I don't know. I might go with, I don't know, like, like I wouldn't even, it's not the studio really, but oh. they want to hear studio. You know what I mean? They want to hear clean. Yeah. Um, I would say without a net would be a decent start. Yeah, that's a pretty good intro. Wow. Except an, I think it's sort the, of a mixtape, sort of. I, I agree. The without net is beautiful. Um, the recording is super nice. Yeah. I am actually not a huge fan of Wynton Marsalis and his sax lines or clarinet lines. Okay. I, right. I think it's I think it's too many notes. It's like the dead are already pretty dense, you know. But that's just yeah. personal, um, personal, uh, you know, flavor. Um, let's see where were we? I was, right. So that tape. Um, then I ended up getting myself a couple albums. It was right when CDs were hitting. And so, um, those were some of my first CD purchases. Actually, I got, uh, those two that recorded in 81, I think it was reckoning and that's it. Um, and so you got the, the acoustic part of that band and then the electric one. And that one did a lot to my head. Like, So, by the way, as we speak, as we speak, for me, the Grateful Dead are like flashes. It's like I can't even talk about an entire show, to be totally honest. For me, the Grateful Dead is all about these moments. And I even go as far as this is going to sound super blasphemous on your on your podcast. (laughs) But but you and your listeners will actually know what I'm talking about, I think. When I tell my friends about my fascination with the Grateful Dead, because I, I listen to them like close to a daily base still, like 30 years later. It's almost right. medicine. It just it just calms me down. It puts me in the right place. And it's I still discover. Yeah, it's totally a big part of me. And I still discover um, things like getting ready for this show. I was listening just to get warmed up. I was listening to some of the stuff that I think I went to in the in 80, 80, end of 89, 90 in Shoreline. These, I don't even know exactly which shows it was. Um, but yeah, that was that, that yeah, that stuff hit me really deep. I, I got off the track. So so I, what I tell my <laughs> my uh friends about the fascination, and here's the blasphemous part. I think the grateful that suck for about 80% of the time. I go that high. But the twenty percent when they lock up is pure magic. There's no other band that even comes close to that. So we can now argue, okay, eighty is pretty rough. How about how about fifty, fifty, or whatever? But what I'm saying is they do lose it at points, and that's what I love about this band. It's it's like an honest, um, good conversation. Every good conversation has these moments when it's like, uh. I think right. I'm gonna get another beer, you know, this kind of moment. Right. Um but then all Before of a sudden the like, and they hit yeah. these passages, these spaces, and it's so brave. That's another thing my friends don't get. They're like, dude, this is the opposite of brave. These guys are wearing sweatsuits and they're just noodling. <laughs> I'm like, no, right. you don't get it. These guys went out there without a set list. And maybe vague ideas of what they're going to play in the first set and second set. And just fucking went for it. And failed sometimes. They failed high sometimes. And they were high as a motherfucker. <laughs> and they were high as motherfuckers. Exactly. So it's also about the right dosage. Like uh, too sober or too high or whatever. Right? 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so it, yeah, uh, for me, it's, it's finding these, these moments when they, when they lock up, but the, but you can't just fast forward to the locking up. <laughs> it's the same with the conversation, right? You need to have that. You need, it, it takes a little bit of work to get into some of their grooves. Um, and then, and then you wait for that, uh, that crescendo or that, that locking up or those really quiet moments or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that they didn't was, make it easy um, on themselves either. I mean, they're trying to play songs like Terrapin and you know, that there's a lot going on and a, a lot it's of a these complex songs, song so for sure. They didn't make it easy on themselves a lot of times. Totally. I, I play the guitar a little bit and the Grateful Dead is not actually easy to play, in my opinion. I, I, I'm not very talented either. And I guess you can play it straight, like just the way the chords say, but they didn't play it straight. They had this swing that is kind of that Jerry, that, that super relaxed thing. And when you watch his fingers, they're like, everything is a tremolo. Like everything is, he's like, it's so warm at that tone. I could recognize in two notes. You give yeah, me two definitely. Jerry Garcia notes of some random solo, Garcia. Uh, gotcha. yeah. There's a few guitar players like that. I think I can do that with BB King. I think I can yeah. do that with Gilmore. Um, Billy Gibbons. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, you hear that? You're like, oh, that's Billy Gibbons. Yeah, yeah. That 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 shuffle that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're still, so this is just me exploring and opening lots of headspace here. I would listen to the stuff on with with headphones. You know, my whole family would go to sleep and I would just give myself these, these headphone sessions and just zoom into these tracks. And I don't know, on, on Dead, uh, um, Dead Set, the Candyman, when he hits mm-hmm. those super high notes and you're like, whoa. It's yeah. so it's so beautiful, and 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 I can play that now, and I would have a similar reaction. Mm-hmm. So with me, you know, I, I I don't know. Am I babbling too much, or is that the whole no. point? <laughs> no, that's the point. This is a, this is a space where you can nerd out on everything music and great band, it. and, I love it. and it's okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That I was totally space. looking forward. Totally looking forward. It's like therapeutic. Totally. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so we're, we're not even at a point yet in my biography where, where I see them. Um, so this is all just me finding this headspace, lots of road trip music. Like I would, I would drive in order to listen to the dead. I know it's not very sustainable, (laughs) but I would 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 go do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You just, you just kind of go outside of town, safe road. And 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 start driving. I would have and, a kazoo. I would have a kazoo and be playing along while I was doing it. That's so hilarious. I did the same thing with a harmonica. I was really so, into the blues, uh, blues traveler as well. And so I would uh-huh. be driving, going not really well, but I was just sort of jamming along totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, music is super super important to me. And it was never that the dead just. It was that's. By it's not everything I listen to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff, and it's kind of like the test of time. Like there's some albums that I liked back then that didn't age well. Um, 
my actually my first um record vinyl record that i bought before the cd was um yes uh, the one with the numbers nine zero yeah, signals whatever. it was like uh, yeah it was like when they came back after a right. hi- hiatus or something so that one you can't i can't really listen to um i, I was see, i i didn't i don't like <laughs> yes all that much like, do you I, like yes? No. About, no, no. <laughs> Roundabout's okay. But but Owner of a Lonely Heart, I was like 10 years old, and that song kind of grabbed me. And so uh, later mm. on, I got the album. And, and now I'll still listen to that album, but I skip Owner of okay. a Lonely Heart. I think some of it's decent, like Changes, I think it's kind of, I mean, but you can't look at it as like the yeah, same. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And, <laughs> like I'm saying, everyone gets hit by these sound bites in a different moment with a different emotional state. Um, so yeah, so I was, um, I, I went to see a bunch of shows and I still haven't, hadn't seen the the dead yet. I, I went to see a lot of reggae music. I love reggae music. I love ska. Um, so ska punk divide. I always went towards the ska, Uh, even the fast stuff, like let's go bowling and, and the two tone stuff, like the specials and, uh, madness. yeah, I know about the specials, but I, I, I got to admit, my ska uh, knowledge is lacking. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have no I, problem. I'm on the, on the punk side of those. But yeah, that's, ska is just something that I, I just haven't listened to a whole lot of and, and sure. never even thought uh, about that I should probably start. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like it's like uh, sped up um, reggae. I mean, it, it was old school ska, like the Scottalites and this this sort of uh, these guys over on in Jamaica doing Motown, but with their skank. And mm-hmm. that's lovely. I love that stuff. But then later it got sped up and that annoys some people. It's like, bah, bah, you know, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. it's almost polka, you know? Um, <laughs> but then uh, uh, the clash, I love that to me is oh, punk yeah. and ska coming together. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was more ska and more metal. Uh, the punk thing I didn't totally get. Uh, I never totally got uh, punk, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I like some um, Rollins band and some Black Flag and some of this stuff. Um, but like the Sex Pistols and stuff, I, I don't know. Even the Ramones, yeah, I, I find them no, overrated. No, I don't know. But, but you growing up in the 80s in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, yeah. probably heard of the dead, dead Kennedys while you were around there. Sure. Sure, there's 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 this uh, this steely with the dead Kennedys inside of the skull. Some there's yeah. some kind of relationship there with the name or something. I read at some point something oh, well, like the dead Kennedys dead. like the Grateful Dead or something like that. It, it, there's some. I would be but, surprised, uh, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> those, guys are, those guys just hate everything. I felt like just 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 to be those guys that hated everything, you know, to get popular. Right. <laughs> right. There's a there's an interesting punk band also that I like that that mixed the the reggae and the and the punk the Bad Brains that's interesting. Um, I love the Bad Brains. Yes. All right. Yes. Right on. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy band because they don't they're, like, they're so good at both. They're, just, they're so good at they're both. So they're, at, they're playing this grindcore thing, and then there's like, yeah. and then yeah. a beautiful roots <laughs> reggae. You know, <laughs> like, they're what so the hell? Good at both of them. It's, Amazing. They are. They're, they're like, yeah. like they're like the best reggae band right now and the best punk band at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of reggae, I think um, right now my what I listen to a lot is is Groundation. They're actually out of out of California. 
That's a oh. really solid uh, reggae band if you're into it. But uh, anyways, back to the 80s. So um, I was sort of rebelling against all the um, all the pop that was coming out. It was almost like a stance uh, somehow. Um, and then, um, and then of course, grunge hit. And that's where my, my friends met again, right? So, so I had this group of high school buddies that I, were still in really good uh, close contact, actually, or relatively close contact because I live in Europe. Um, but that united us. So we, everyone agreed on Pearl Jam. Everyone agreed on, on uh, Nirvana. Um, Soundgarden, uh, the Stone Temple Pilots, this kind of stuff. I was really into the Smashing Pumpkins as well, which is technically not not cr- grunge or is it? I don't whatever. I don't care. That I think is an amazing album, amazing music. Um, so I was getting into all of that. Um, and then there's two more really important influences for me. So my parents both like music a lot as well. And my dad is very specialized with one type of jazz, okay? So he likes cool jazz and bebop. So, like, Miles Davis um, is the end of what he listens to, not the beginning. He doesn't even go to Arnett Coleman or the crazy free uh, free jazz fusion stuff. He's more like Charlie Parker era. Absolutely. Oscar Peterson, um, Stan Getz, um, Dave Brubeck. That kind of stuff. Hey there. Are you tired of the same old grocery store grind? The battle for the last ripe avocado? The cart traffic jams that rival the Autobahn? And the hunt for the mysterious organic section that's more elusive than a unicorn? Ah, yes. The joys of grocery shopping in the modern world. Who wouldn't want to experience that every week? Well, hold on to your dreadlocks because I have a cosmic revelation for you. Presenting Grateful Groceries, the grocery delivery service that's here to rescue you from the tedium and send you on a culinary full tour through the cosmos. Imagine a world where the produce section is an enchanted forest, where the avocados jump into your cart and the almond milk flows like a psychedelic liquid river. That's right, folks. Grateful Groceries delivers only the freshest, most locally sourced, organic treasures, all packaged in tie-dye wrappers that are cooler than a cucumber in a snowstorm. Oh, wow! It's not just a delivery service. It's a culinary carnival, an edible adventure, a gastronomic gobble fest. Say goodbye to cart chaos and farewell to checkout lines that seem to stretch to infinity and beyond. And say hello to Grateful Groceries. Grateful groceries, oh so fine Organic food, I'm on cloud nine Tie-dye bags, it's all online You can shop with a smile all the time Grateful groceries, because life is too short to take grocery shopping seriously Yeah, so he would give me an album for every birthday and every Christmas kind of thing and so now I have a kick-ass CD collection of that type of jazz, like really good albums, um, because it added up over the years, right? He still right. gives me, my dad's still alive, and he still gives me jazz records. <laughs> uh, so, so there's that uh, huge, huge influence on me. I remember one time in the Bay Area driving with my dad, just running errands or something. In the, so this must have been 88 or something. 
another one of these music flashes. He played me um, Take Five, right? The, the famous Dave Brubeck. And I was listening to that to that piano thing, that motif that continues on and on and on and on. And it was kind of cramping my style. I was like, oh, this thing is like a loop. It's, it's like, ah. Uh. And I was like, I was telling my dad, dad, this is not very good. It keeps repeating. And he looked at me, he's like, you're listening to the wrong thing. You can listen to the drummer. Yeah. Listen to the drummer, and then I did. I, I like I went below. I went to the drummer, mm-hmm. and he's doing all of these crazy syncopated little fills and shit. And and yeah. I got it. I was like, wow. Okay, let's play this again from the beginning. You know. <laughs> and so, and then from my mother's side, it's all classical, right? And so she didn't have this tradition of giving me records, but she played a lot of classical music at home. Um, and I was always drawn to the heavy, to the, to the emotional stuff, you know, Beethoven, Bach, this, oh. like I would say if Bach is alive now, he would be in a Scandinavian death metal band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like playing a giant organ. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. Like the, the fugue or whatever, the famous, the one that's on all the best of classical CDs. Diddly <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a metal a metal vibe but um so yeah i would i was into really the the stuff but it would also mess with my head sometimes i would be it would get me down and stuff it affected me really strongly classical music so you know how did you end up at that first uh show in 89 right. did, you, did you see here right. on the radio so, ah, i'm gonna go get some tickets or it was uh, back then. It was Ticketmaster. It was just going to Tower Records, standing in line, and and uh, and getting a ticket. And everyone was talking about the Dead. This is when the the Touch of Grey thing was right there, right? Uh, right. That song hit whatever in eighty eight or eighty nine. I forget. Yeah. And and I didn't even I I saw that famous MTV clip a bunch of times, of course. Um, and and there were some kids in high school that all of a sudden were wearing the tie-dyed uh, socks and the Birkenstocks and had that whole thing going. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't part of that. Like, I always sort of resist going full into clicks. I always liked the contrast. And I remember doing some pretty infantile things like wearing Doc Martin boots, <laughs> sending that signal, but then with the reggae laces. To send that opposite signal, I was like, it was super nerdy and infantile. But um, You're making a statement, man. You're making a statement. I was making awesome. a little bit of a statement, and I would go to the dead shows in my Doc Martin boots, and I didn't want to be full on deadhead, even though I, I love the Grateful Dead. But um, so yeah, so I bought tickets. It was that AIDS benefit, um, eighty seven. So I must have been, tenth uh, grade, uh, I guess in May. And I just went with this guy actually from Barcelona, now that I think of it, another uh, one of these Spanish connections. There's a whole bunch of little Spanish connections that we might get to. <laughs> um, um, Andreu was his name. And and um, it was his first time too. Um, I turned him on to it a little bit, just showing him some tapes and stuff. And we went to this show and it was kind of a little bit weird to tell you the truth. Like... Um, there was a whole bunch, a huge lineup that 
the the strangest concert bill you can think of. So you got Joe Satriani and Creedence Clearwater and Tracy Chapman, The Grateful Dead. I think I wrote this down here somewhere. Uh, Los Lobo, Tower of Power, which is awesome. Um, all on the same bill. And and for I mean, for me, that was cool. I, I remember Satriani, The Surfing with the Alien, that album I loved. And to see that was super cool. And, and um, Tower of Power, that horn section is awesome. Um, but then the show, I can't even, I, I, I don't, I, I won't lie to you. I, it wasn't that it blew me away. I was like, okay, these guys are super tight. I was happy to, to see some of the music I knew, but there was also a whole bunch of songs in their list that I have never heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just listening for the, I was waiting for the fire on the mountain, you know, the classics that you can sing along with. Um, there was a couple of songs that I, that I have, um, like direct memories of. Um, fire on the mountain was one. I think they played it without uh, the Scarlet Begonia. Right. So it, it was just that. And those tend to be a little bit tighter somehow. Um, Leading up to this, when you'd mentioned the show, and I and I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to that specifically because I want to hear how, how the transition to that win. It really wasn't a transition. It was just like right. Yeah, yeah. I always go to the transition as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have a malted beverage here. Nice. A beer. It's a yeah. It's uh, what is it? Uh, Eleven in the morning here. I'm still having a little cup of coffee here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just so the just so the users know. Um, for me, for me, it's seven in the evening. So, um, or, or whatever. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah. So that that, and then um, I think they closed with "Broke Down a Palace," which I love. What a beautiful song. Oh, and I remember that being very strong. Very. I was pretty far back, so I wasn't. I didn't get the full blast. I feel like, and it was in a massive place, whatever the, the well, what Coliseum. used to be the Raiders, I think the Oakland Coliseum, I think it was, or was it San Francisco? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, the Coliseum. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that wasn't necessarily the most important of my uh, Grateful Dead moments. Um Another one, I, I honestly, I got into, I wanted to, to get all this out. So I, I took, I have some notes here, <laughs> a cheat sheet. Um, so a year later, um, it was April 30th, 88, um, at the Frost. So this is on Stanford campus. This is like 10 minutes from my house. Um, and I didn't have a ticket, but. That was the first time I experienced the lot, the Shakedown Street, the, the parking lot. Because at the stadium, th- that thing was a little commercial, right? There wasn't yeah. there wasn't that scene going on. It was not, you got your ticket, you go in, show. you see the show, you leave, you know? Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Just uh, not your typical dead show. No, it, it was absolutely not. A t- exactly, yeah. exactly. So um, that one... I was on the parking lot and only on the parking lot. I didn't get into this one, but I remember seeing these, these, these crazy people. Um, some of it was a little unsettling. I got to admit, like I'm not one to, to glorify every aspect of the dead eater. I think we have to remain 
critical. That's what a good friendship is all about, personally. <laughs> and there were some people who were obviously lost, like obviously lost their fucking mind. Um, and that was kind of sad to see. You know, I remember this guy with a little string and he was pulling this little plastic alligator behind him <laughs> and talking to it. And I was like, whoa, okay, there's that side too. Um, But I remember the drum circle. I remember really good vibe, obviously, all the vendors. Um, Just super fun party out there. I wasn't even inside. And and the music wafted over. Um, You know how the wind can waft it over. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you hear a little bit more and a little bit less. Right. Um, so I was circling around there in the parking lot in the frost, beautiful Stanford campus. There's all these eucalyptus trees. It's just super mellow California, mm-hmm. right? And this one waft of sound comes over. And it was, um, it makes my hair stand up. Just thinking of a memory of a waft of sound <laughs> that part doesn't even exist. But anyway, um, and it was um, Ship of Fools. Mm. I don't know where in that song, but that hit so hard. Right. And, and the fact that you I can was... give me chills talking about it. Right. right. <laughs> and, and I got this show. It was actually released. I found this, must have been pirated, but CD. I got a CD of this show. And, and so I can revisit. That's the beauty of this technology, right? I can revisit these exact moments. It's yes. it's pretty strange. And, you know, I was stone cold sober. I was some high school kid. I was, I don't know, I was like 17, 18. Just seeing this whole thing. And and this, this uh, ship of fools, I was like, okay. Okay, this band is serious. Like, there's a lot of emotions here. They're not just playing through their best off here. This is different. Yeah, they and, told the story. And for me, that was the first time I got the dead, believe it or not. It wasn't even inside. It was it was it was really weird. It's that, that was like, okay, I got it. Okay. These guys go deep. And they try every time and sometimes they fail. But when they nail it, wow. You know, and there's no yeah. band that comes even close to that, in in my opinion. Um, then I saw a bunch of the shows at Shoreline, which is a... Did you ever make it out there to Shoreline? No, I've no. never seen a show at Shoreline. I, I, from the other podcast, I... I, I grew you, up on the you, East Coast, so most everything I right. saw was on the East Coast. And, and now I live in Denver, so I, I get I, I get a lot of shows here in the Colorado areas. So I don't... Oh, yeah. I, I, go, to, I go to Vegas occasionally to see a show. Okay. For the most part, everybody comes through either Red Rocks or, or somewhere here. Oh, right. Yeah. Nice. So you're talking about Dead and Company and these offshoot bands or what? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they play at, uh, they've been playing at the football stadium uh, for Color- University of Colorado football stadium, Folsom Field, right. uh, the last few years. And then you know, Fish comes out here for four nights for Dicks every year. And then okay. every other band, every other band, like I can see bands, you know, like Primus and, and stuff like that, just like down Colfax, like two miles from my house at, at, a, at a local. Oh, you just, like, you just triggered... You just triggered my head uh, for a um, for a concert. Um, yeah. You know when you compare gigs, um, 
a killer concert I saw right around this time. I think it was maybe 90. San Francisco. Um, let's see if I get the order right. Yeah, I think it was Primus, Jane's Addiction, and the Pixies. Oh. I oh. mean... <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. I, I saw Jane's Addiction one time, and I'm still a big fan. Like, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, there they are. They're crazy and they have their own style also. It's one of those recognizable bands also. Definitely. Um, and then uh, my my trump card, now I'm off the subject again with the <laughs> with the with the Grateful Dead, but my absolute best card um would be I went to see um The Wall in Berlin in the 1990 that the huge show that Waters put on. Mm-hmm. I traveled to that one. Wow. So that's like, yeah, that, that that was pretty crazy. When he built this gigantic thing on Potsdamer Platz, right, right in the center of, of Berlin. Yeah, and just like took it down one one brick at a time, right? Or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they played behind the wall for half of the show, and he had all these guests. He actually had like the, the men, members of the band on there, and Sinead O'Connor, and um, a few other people, like yeah. famous people. But but anyways, back to that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was one of those heads in 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 there somewhere. So, um, yeah, Shoreline. Um, apparently, I read online somewhere that they actually built Shoreline for the dead, and that you can uh-huh. look at it from above, and it looks like a steely, like those uh-huh. um, those sails. Um, they got these beautiful sails over this over the audience part and then it narrows down into the into where the band stands and that would be like the mandible or the the jaw of the of the steely whatever i don't know if it's true or not but um but that's a that's a great venue because you're out there in the baylands so it's off the city um so you don't have that whole city hustle going on um it's 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 peaceful in that sense and it's a slanted um, slanted um, lawn, um, really good acoustics outside, just super mellow. And so I saw them there a few times. Um, and actually leading up to this talk here, I I, I went to st- some of the ones I think I went to. Um, I think I went to uh, 1989, September 30th. I think I was at that one. And that was really good. Like they were, they were, they were going, they were graced up and really good. Jerry Garcia yeah. was, I, I think it was one of those windows of sobriety that he had. <laughs> yeah, like eighty-seven, eighty-six. Uh, right. Know, it, it, everything. It was. It, it had the moments. It was. It maybe your eighty-twenty rule there. Um, <laughs> uh, but, 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 yeah, I feel right. bad Saving about mind. that sentence now. Okay, I, I bring it down to 50-50 or something. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, all of them. Um, you know, Bob Weir is just such an amazing rhythm guitarist, and he was showcasing that with all these weird chords and inverted chords. I don't even know. I'm not a theory guy when it comes to music. I know when it hits, you know? Yeah. But, uh but you can just see him all over the fretboard. Um, yeah, he made some strides definitely in that time in his playing. I felt like right, yeah. right. And he and he was um, really trying hard on the slide. 
He was trying. Right, we'll give him that. He was trying. Emphasis on trying. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, that I'm not a not a fan of. And then and then his singing. I I like when he sings Dylan songs. I think he does those quite nicely, uh, like Masterpiece and Memphis Blues or whatever that song right. is called. And um, I don't I don't like when he goes when he does the blue stuff, the Red Rooster, and then this is yeah. like. Oh. I'm not so um, much of a fan, but I do love the Bobby song stuff like Feel Like a Stranger and Estimated Profit. Oh, Feel Like a Stranger is a great song. So and and Cassidy. Yeah. I mean, Cassidy. Oh, yeah. Also, um, Let It Grow. So many good Let It Grow and um, um, Estimated Profit. That's a that's a yeah. weird song. That's an amazing <gasps> hook. Yeah, but when he goes off on the vocals. And when they tweaked, they tweaked him, the sound guy was messing with that in that uh -huh. era as well. Um, and then, um, Brent, I mean, Brent, I was a huge fan, huge fan. And I listened to that era of dead. Now it is probably my favorite, not just because I was there. So it's not just melancholy. I like what Brent brings in with the Hammond organ and the blues vocals. Um, he's got an attitude. He's got a bit of I don't want to call it punk because it's not punk, but it's like sudden rock almost or something. It's like, yeah. um, love that. And then, and then Phil Lesh just <sighs> always, I, I think he's the most steady of all of those musicians. Actually. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no, I would agree with he, that. he doesn't make mistakes. Um, and the drummers, you know, so it was, I think it was a really good period. Yeah. Well, that's what I that's what I said earlier with that with that weird comment. Like, um, I think we gotta remain honest. There were there were some. It's not all blindingly brilliant, but that's the beauty of it somehow. Um, mm -hmm. Like you could see a Pink Floyd concert, and they're standing at the exact spot on stage so that a laser hits them at the right angle when they hit a note or something. Right. And it comes a point when you're like, okay, I can just listen to this with my headphones lying on the couch. It's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, with the dead, it wasn't. It was an adventure. It was a. It was a voyage on uh, in your head and 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 in this space. And, and the lights were the same way. That you know, the the lights aren't pre-programmed. You know, they're, they're exactly. doing it as they go in the moment. So that was all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That I haven't thought about um, enough, I guess. I know that the that the the sound engineers um, in real time were almost DJing the players. That sounds kind of weird, but yeah. right, they were opening some channels, closing some others. I think so. Yeah, it, it all happened in real time, absolutely. And and yeah, they just went on these on these voyages, and and so in those years, Shoreline. Um, I saw some really nice stuff out there and it's really close to home. So that was like um, logistics wise, that was a pretty easy thing to do. Um, and then I saw them in, in Oakland a bunch of times in the Coliseum. Um, and there was another one of these flashes. <clears throat> this one, super bittersweet. Um, it's a, it's kind of a crazy story. This one was actually released as Dick's uh, pick, um, volume 27. Mm -hmm. um, so that was December 16, 1992. Vince Welnick, Welnick is on it at this point. 
Um, I think they were still decent. I was starting to lose a little bit of interest. Um, I think my last one was 93. I didn't see anything in 94, 95. Um, regret it because there were some amazing stuff in those periods as well. But I was, I was somewhere else music wise for those years. Um, Oh, I, yeah, I understand that totally. 94 is when I saw the most. Just That's when I was kind of Right. You just came a little bit after me, a little bit later. Yeah. 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 Um, through the Vince years. And, and I definitely missed out on Brent, but listen to a ton. That's probably what I go to first for most of the time is somewhere okay. in the, the mid to late 80s. So <laughs> so at that show, um, um, I got to embellish this one because it's really a bittersweet uh, thing. It was... Um, at the at the Oakland Coliseum, at this point, I was studying and in Berkeley, um, um, you know, and and I was living over there. I was living um, close to Oakland, between Berkeley and Oakland, there, and got to the show a little bit la- a little bit late. Okay, so I took the Bart. Uh, this is, um, yep, you know, the, the, yeah, this is public yeah, transportation area. in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, yeah. took that to the, to the, to the show. I was a little bit late. So I knew I was, I had a ticket, but I knew I was coming in, in the middle of the first set or something. Um, or I guess I would have to check that out because I know exactly when I came in and here's the story. Um, I was with this girl back then. Um, my, it was my first, um, real relationship. Like this was a two and a half year relationship. It was very, very intense relationship. But at this point, it was sort of crumbling. At this point, it was coming apart a little bit. And and she was at this show. We Obviously, we wanted to see this together. We got the ticket together. She went there earlier with some other friends from, from UC Berkeley, right? Mm-hmm. And I come later. And I come in. And this is before the cell phones. And she just said, okay, look, when I when you come in, I'll be on the front on the right side, this sort of vague description, right? And so I was searching through the crowd and Stella Blue comes on. And Stella Blue is such a sad song. It's such a strange, beautiful song, I think. It, it feels like a blues song, but it's not really. It's a ballad. It's got something country. I don't, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and it's got that silence moment where he's like. It's got that silent moment. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, where they leave it, let it hang. And it's, it's. Yeah. but but it was actually, like I said, a bittersweet moment because I, when I found them, she was in the arms of some other dude. Like, oh, like wow. some other dude was like embracing her from behind. And, and I just, I caught them red handed. Right, they weren't making out, but they were obviously not just standing next to each other in a concert. It was more. Obviously, weren't strangers. They weren't feeling like strangers. Strangers, exactly. (laughs) And it was with that song, and it was just so. It it was just so horrible. It just sent me on such a negative downward spiral. So that show, um, you know, I can't even say that 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 was anything great for me. But the interesting thing is. That was released, so Dick Speaks Volume 27. You can check it out at some point if you want. And that Stella Blue um, is is actually probably my favorite one. Um, <laughs> and so it's really weird. 
Yeah, no, no problem. It okay, is a funny story. Because I catch I catch my girlfriend cheating on me with this cheese ball. That's another thing. It's this guy that's been hovering around her, you know, this kind of guy. Um, yeah. you know, that's saying little cheesy things and she and she found it funny and this guy. So jealousy, like serious jealousy for my part. Um and this song, and then when you listen to it now, it's like I think one of the very best Stella um, versions. When 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 he goes that little silence and he says Stella Blue, right? Mm-hmm. And when they go from that, I think it's an A to an E or the other way around. Phil Lesh has this thick honey bass line. It's like dripping honey. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to describe this right now. And it almost sounds like a cello because he's sliding on the strings, I think. And yeah, check that it's out. Classical. That's one of my yeah. absolute most poignant moments. And and then I was there in this weird thing. And somehow, this is going to sound super esoteric now, okay? Super hippy-dippy. But if you think about it, if that is a live recording of that song, that vibe of mine is somehow in there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a weird yeah. thought. But somehow, if you're going to speak of vibrations or energy or whatever, mm-hmm. there was this little kid in there. Um, because at this point, I was at uh, whatever, 21 or something. And just uh, having a hard time. I, I think I was crying at the moment and stuff. And, and the song did not help. You know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's this. This bundle of energy happening right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, wow, I got all emotional just talking about a moment um, that happened in 1992. That's freaking 31 years ago. That's crazy. Um, so let's see. What else is on my list here? Um, I um, Okay, so there's some, some really odd moments as you were... Um, like announcing me or, or introducing me here and on this on this podcast, uh, you're saying that that I've been all over and it's true. I have been I have been traveling a lot and and living in 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 different places, Austria, California, and, and Spain, um, Spain for the last twenty years, and and there's this there's some weird connections to the dead in in Spain, um, uh, so they're not well known. Like at all, like right. it's this little ritual. Spanish love music. There's great live music. There's great party culture. The Spanish really, um, really get into it, and it's never sloppy. It's like really stylish. I love that part of of Spain, and we yeah. always have music conversations. These sorts of nerdy things, mm-hmm. and not very often people are aware of the Grateful Dead. Like. I, I, did like, they play there? I, I don't remember. Okay, like, so that's what I was I, leading up probably, to. This, but, is a, yeah. this was a segue. <laughs> uh, gotcha. um, uh, yeah, they, they they played one time there. And, and I researched this also. This was in October 19th, um, 1981. So it was one of those Europe tours. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they played in Barcelona. And... Um, so that's obviously way before me. So uh, I didn't, I didn't see this, not even close. But they played in, in, um, in Spain one time, and and Garcia is as 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 you know is half Spanish or was half Spanish, right? 
And his dad was a, a jazz um, musician. I don't know which instrument, but he was a jazz musician up from Galicia. So this is in the north of Spain. Beautiful country. Um, I don't know how to pick. Have you been to Ireland or something like this? Or no, I no. Um, so picture rolling, rolling hills, um, forest, um, and then the ocean. So it's on the very, very top of Spain. And so there's that connection, and you know, makes you wonder. So he's he was half Spanish. The 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 guy was half Spanish, uh, genetically speaking. Um, and they played one time, um, not huge, but I've like in 20 years there, I might have seen. I'm not kidding you. I might have seen two or three Steelies on cars, and trust me, I look for Steelies on cars. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not many. That's no, not many. It, it's just, it's not really, and it's a mystery to me because I I think they would get into it. Um, So I've actually like hacked, I got this this water bottle, this flat water bottle, and I hacked it. Um, uh-huh. And one of the reasons is I pulled this out and I'm like, okay, here's the logo. Do you know what this is? And that's like the the test, you know. And um, <laughs> yeah. and then some people do that. They just know they just don't know the right pronunciation. I guess they would mm-hmm. be like "grateful, grateful dead." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I could go around Denver and drive around like ten minutes right now and see like ten still faces, probably <laughs> for sure. Yeah, okay. I know Colorado is is really big into the dead. Eye. Yeah, there's yeah. something there. Um, sure. But um. A moment that I wanted to talk to you about was um, so in the middle of Spain, right? So picture this in the middle of Spain, and there's this abandoned village. Um, it's super. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty spooky. They do. It's these houses that use um, what's it called? Slate, slate, or what is it? The 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 black um, stone that's really thin. Um, yeah, for shingles, exactly. Yeah. And so it's this spooky sort of witchy will, will village right in the middle of, of Spain. And this is about 15 years ago. And um, we found out that there's a party there, a kind of an outside rave. Um, and so they had these sound systems out there, these speakers, like, you know, um, Jamaican style, like dub, dub sound systems, right? And right. and it was kind of an, a punky feel. There was these punks that lived in these abandoned, in these houses. Um, super cool, super cool. And there was a moment in the evening when um, we were just hooking up our MP3 players, right? So it's right when we all had our little shuffles and our little mm-hmm. um, Apple devices or whatever. And there was this moment when I was like, okay, it's my turn. I, can I plug mine in? And, and I was like, Ooh. and they gave it to me. They're like, okay, go for it. They 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 call me Giddy. Giddy is like a like an endearing way of saying foreigner. Okay. Because I'm the Austrian. I'm not the. And I speak with an accent when I speak in Spanish. Strong accent, right? Um, and I wasn't even speaking very well back then. This is 15 years ago. But anyway, so I have my moment, and and so a classic Grateful Dead dilemma. What do you put on? Like these people have <laughs> never heard, and so I go for um, 
the skull, uh, skull and roses, mm -hmm. the going down the road and not fade away. That uh, or is it the other way around? Not fade away, going down the road feeling bad. Um, uh -huh. I love that thing. That double thing there as a live recording and super clean production and that transition is just so so good i think yeah. and anyways there's no real punchline to this story it's just i i i selected that one we turned it up we had these big speakers in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. you know just to embellish it the moon was out clear night and it just went and these guys <laughs> got into it when, when you have that Bo Diddley, that shuffle of not fade away, uh -huh. and 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 right there were, and it was just carrying over this valley, and I was like, okay, so that's the Grateful Dead, and some people right. probably there's some people that I turned on uh, with that yeah. sound flash. You well, never know; I'm, I've I'm, never I'm, seen these people again. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm surprised you didn't say Shakedown Street, but you know, uh, you know, just just for the day's ability, but but not fade away is probably no, that, a that, that's for true. That Shakedown Street is an interesting one as an introductory track because it's got this almost P-funk, this disco thingy going on, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, but it's a it's a it's a walk on the line to me. Like like that could turn people off because it's got a bit of a cheese factor in my opinion. <laughs> That's true. I love That's true. I yeah. love that I love that riff. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you're right. No, for, for 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 somebody who doesn't know, uh, they might not get it. <laughs> they might not get it. Um, another one I was contemplating was um, estimated, um, but then there's such variants. Like which version? Uh, some of mm -hmm. them are a little faster than others, and and stuff. But I love that's a great riff too. Signature yeah. just riff. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so yeah, so that was um, that was another one of those moments, and then there have been little ones. Um, like, like, like with the steely, like, like I've bumped into people in airports that mm -hmm. have the little logo or the dancing bears or whatever. And, you know, strangers, strangers stoppers, strangers just to shake their hands kind of thing. Yeah. I've had little moments um, like that. There was one in, so, so I haven't been in, in, in Spain in these 20 years, I wasn't there continuously. We moved the whole operation. I got two daughters. So we're four, mm -hmm. my wife and two daughters. Um, we moved the whole thing back to Austria for five years. And to this city that's pretty um, um, parochial, it's pretty, pretty dead. Um, mm -hmm. Salzburg, I mean, it's super famous. It's where Mozart is from. and But they kind of got stuck in the Baroque, honestly. Yeah, There's like no scene. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they just stayed there. Yeah, um, no scene. But there's there was there's one uh, concert venue that I went to a lot called Rock House, um, and that's symptomatic of my relationship with Salzburg. I hung out at this fucked up rock venue. That was my favorite, <laughs> and I saw a bunch of shows at that place. Some of them real good. Um, but Mo came, so Mo is kind of a jam jam band. You know them, right? Yep. Yeah. And I wasn't even aware of them. I just saw on the on the webpage that this band is coming, and then I looked at it, and they said jam band. I was like, okay, I'm going, obviously. Yeah. Um, and um, 
That one is actually on YouTube. Uh, it's like 2014 in Salzburg, Austria, Mo. Um, I, I, I was able to find it. And anyway, so I, I go in there and all of a sudden, like I get there before the show. We're hanging out at the, at the bar having some beer. And there's all these guys with these Grateful Dead t-shirts and fish t-shirts and whatever t-shirts. And I was so moved. Like I was so starved of, of this sort of conversation that I just went and bought this total stranger a massive beer. I just, in Austria, they have these big ones. Like, like it's like half a liter. Um, um, you know, and I just walked up to him and said, here you go, because you're wearing that t-shirt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, then, and then talked until the show started, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The banter. <laughs> um, and they, uh, they, they put on a great show. You can, um, I don't know if you can hear me, but at some point I'm, it was a relatively small venue and I'm yelling, Franklin's Tower! Because I thought uh -huh. they, they were kind of in a jam that sounded a little bit like that and I almost thought uh -huh. they were teasing it. And so I was yelling that. They never played it. But um, I ended up hanging out with them again. The the asexual asexual groupie. Like I'm not I'm not interested in anything <laughs> but hanging yeah. out. It for yeah. me it's the greatest thing on earth. Like when you hang out with really good musicians, I love mm -hmm. that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. And I ended up hanging out backstage with them. Um, you know that partying, <laughs> and it was it was actually <laughs> really really fun. So that was a another one of those moments. Did you um, get to ask them if they were teasing the Franklin's Tower? I probably asked them. I can't. I can't remember their <laughs> response. Actually, I remember we talked about the Dead. Um, uh, there was another band that came through to that venue, and that I was actually going to recommend. When on the outro, there's like a, you you talk about <laughs> stuff. Um, one band that I really have been pretty loyal to. It's a very different vibe, but Woven Hand. Um, have you heard of them? No, but I'm writing it down right now. Yeah, this is this is weird. This is interesting. Um, so Woven Hand does this southern um, folklore, out country, but there's punk in there. There's it's heavy music. It's pretty it's pretty hard music actually, but they play on old time um, banjos and lutes, and so it's got this spooky. And and the voice, his name is D D Edwards or something like that. He's a real interesting guy. Um, so it's dark. It's dark music. Yeah. Better than One Mumford thing, and Son. <laughs> no, it's not Mumford and Son. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, well put. It's like the, it's the best time to be alive right now. If you're a music lover, you got no excuse. I don't even want to hear any bitching and complaining. You can listen to literally anything that has ever been produced at your fingertip. Like like people who say, oh, suck. Take a no, totally. But but people who are like, oh, no, I stopped listening to music because, uh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, what was I, I'm just riffing with you. I'm just, this is fun. Um <laughs> Uh, I saw Woven Hand, and, and I hung out after that gig also, and I talked to a musician, and I and I asked him what he thinks of Friend of the Devil, because I think that's a dark, folkloric, 
song. Like, I think that song is going to go into, like, it's going to be a traditional, quote unquote. It's that classic of a song that it's sort of like Mary got a little lamb. It's it's a standard to me. Like, it's not far enough back to call it the true standard, but I think it, it will be. And the guy answered something like, well, that's different type of music, but he was absolutely, he absolutely shared my point that that is a a classic folklore, kind of dark. It's about this weird character, right? Mm-hmm. right? Running from the law. It's like a lot of Grateful Dead. Like the storytelling, it's actually murder ballads, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it, yeah. A lot of it is murder ballads. It's like Nick Cave style, but but a little bit happier um, music around it. But um, yeah, when you listen to Loser um, or or Ordeal or or From the Devil, yeah, Wharf Rat, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, they do have dead in their name, though. Right. They let you know. Right. By the way, there will be death. There will be some death. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, um, I've, um, I've, they've accompanied me, um, over the years. And like I was saying earlier, I, um, I still have these Grateful Dead doses. Um, like right now I get my kicks from listening to, I pull out my old CDs. I got a lot of the dick picks and the, um, what came after the Dave's picks? Yep. Um, so those are in my car. I still have a CD player. So uh, driving to work and stuff, I, I do. I spin those, and then um, obviously digital. Um, I like uh, this podcast as well. What is his name? Professor, the professor, the dead pod, dead pod. Oh, yeah. Uh, that guy is awesome. Every Friday he releases one set of a show and does his little intro. It seems like a real nice guy. So yeah, I've been listening to those. And, and yeah, out in Europe. So it's not like, like you should be super grateful, man. You you can go see all <laughs> these bands whenever you want. It's, it's oh. really, uh, there was really, not a lot of that. I mean, there's a lot of music in, in, in Europe for sure, but the mm-hmm. Grateful Dead, um, I've seen a couple cover bands over in Europe. Um, actually, I think I just lied. I think I saw one once or so. I can't even remember. Um, it's, it's, it's like, uh, or we meet. To, <laughs> yeah. And some of them great. Uh, actually, that's some of the other stuff I wanted to talk to you about. I saw, some other thing I saw the Jerry Garcia band once back in the days that was uh ninety two or something which is which is a good year for the Garcia band I think for sure yeah any of those nineties ones were really good he had band. one of these late life highs uh, that happens with a lot of artists um yeah. I do kind of think that maybe he was feeling like this is limited. <laughs> Because he was hitting some really, again, deep and 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 heavy heavy moments. Yeah, um, for sure. Like the maker, wow, mm-hmm. the maker. Yeah. It, it, when he fluffs out those notes, and it is amazing. Yeah, 
no doubt. Um, yeah, I, I really love Jerry and, and, and JGB. I, I feel like, I don't know, he was just more free. I don't know if free is the right word, but it, it was definitely a different side of Jerry. And, and It was. Yeah, yeah, really. It was, and and in some ways tighter. Like, um, like um, they were like a you know blues rock band to me, um, or Motown, Motowny. Um, yeah, really, yeah, especially with the the background vocals and, and just the song yeah. choices that, yeah. that he chose were not only yeah. Motowny but just fit them so well. They were just like yeah. made for that band. It felt like when they played them, even to, even yeah, like yeah. the Dear Prudence, like the way they did Dear, Dear Prudence, Prudence, felt like it yeah. was made for that band. You know, yeah. True and the and the Jimmy Cliff stuff and the Peter Tosh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a that's another thing about Jerry Garcia. I mean, what a genius! Um, I mean, he was obviously living what in Spain they call la la mala vida, the bad life. He was obviously a very unhealthy individual, like physically speaking. Um, but he was in a bluegrass band. He was in this Motown thing, and the Grateful Dead simultaneously. Yeah, and then he was yeah. cutting tracks with jazz artists and and whatever. And, um, and Dave Grissom, they were doing like the Dave Grissom stuff. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. The two, the, the two of them doing stuff. He was busy. So for sure. when he messes up a line here or there, a vocal line, like he, uh, he was working a, a song catalog <laughs> of like five hundred songs or something. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, truly amazing. So um, Phil Lesh, I saw a few times. Um, he had this, I'm speaking in the past tense because I think it was shut down, uh, Terrapin Crossroads. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. Um, what a, what, that made me really sad when they closed that down. I think they're reopening though or something. I heard something. Maybe. Um, I'm not certain. I, I never got a chance to go, but a, a good friend of mine uh, who lives out there said that I, he stopped in there quite a bit. And uh, it wasn't unusual to see Phil uh, playing or hanging out occasionally. Uh, well, kind of n- not just occasionally. He he put mm-hmm. on a bunch of shows himself. Cool. Uh, you know, now he's 82, I think, or something like yeah. 82. Yeah, uh, something like that. Well, he yeah, still was in the band, I think. And he still holds uh, the band together. I mean, the stuff is, I would, I would argue just from seeing it on YouTube, I would argue that some of that stuff is tighter than than Dead and Company, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But um, so I saw them up there a couple times, like when I visited my my family. My my parents still have that house in the Bay Area. Ah. All these years later, um, and so I would drive over the Golden Gate and and see some stuff up there. I saw um, uh, Phil Lesh. Um, what were the with Anders Osborne, who I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, um, was nice. that was nice. I got to meet Phil Lesh one time again as a, a asexual groupie. It's, it's not <laughs> rocket science. It's like not yeah. rocket science. You just hang around. Um, you get a beer. So here's the, here's the call. It's super easy. Like, like I should sell this as a, as a strategy, as a technique. (laughs) It's so easy. You just have to hang around. As soon as the show is over, people are rushing for the doors. You rush to the bar and you just kind of linger there. And maybe if they can serve you something, still get a a beer or something and just linger, linger, wait. Sometimes it gets a little weird. You go to the bathroom, you keep lingering. Then the guys with the cables come out and clean up and stuff, keep lingering. 
the band members are bound to come down because they're thirsty. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, I've met a lot of musicians that way, and I was able to you know congratulate them, and 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 they always love that. And so Phil Lesh was like that. It was a really short conversation. I said, "Hello, I'm Michael. I'm from Austria." And he said, "Oh, I know Austria. I've been to Salzburg once." And I said, "I know. I read your autobiography. That was the dialogue." <laughs> also a very good autobiography. Yeah. For the yeah. Sound, right? that, yeah. That's a beautiful that's a that made me cry on a couple of passages. That is a yeah. when he describes uh Jerry's death and he, uh -huh. he's like he, he felt like he got punched in the stomach or something. Um Yeah, so I I, I met him, I've seen um um what's his name? Stu, Stu Allen and Mars Hotel or something like that. Right. And then David Gans, who looks like you a little bit, speaking of which. <laughs> he's over in Berkeley in Ashkenaz. He does these dead evenings. And I've seen some. I saw the uh, the Nelson band from the per Writers of the Purple Sage, right? right saw them right. there once. Um, I saw Further once um, at Outside Lands. Yeah. That was good. I, I thought it was. I thought there. I thought the, there was too much sound on there somehow. They had these two backup singers, and um, they they played a Pink Floyd cover. They played "Time." That was cool. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Plus, it was bad timing. I was with my wife and and huge festival, and her favorite band was playing at the same time. The Strokes. The Strokes were playing uh, at the same time as Further, like a different, it's like a huge field, so they don't interfere, mm -hmm. it's that far away. Yeah. And I remember we went to the Strokes, it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to, you know, do you know the expression, dance at both weddings? Like, try to double yeah. bill, try to do both. And so yeah. it's like, okay, Isa, my, my wife's uh, name, Isa, um, I was like, okay, so let's go over and check out the strokes. But I wanted to be over um, with Further, obviously. Right. Um, and we go over there and we see like two or three songs because they have these short, poppy. I, I like yeah. the strokes. I think they're really good, but they're short, tight, little rock songs. And we saw two or three and we came back and Further was still in the, still, still in the same <laughs> jam. You know what Playing in the band, still yeah. going. Yeah. It was like not fade away just 10 minutes later, you know, um, yeah. or 20 minutes later. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was able to see both. It was great. Um, That's awesome. But um, it's... Um, yeah, so I when I was over in California, I would try to catch uh, shows. Sometimes I was there in the summers, and they would have Jerry Garcia's birthday celebrations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's just there's a lot of respect um, for the Grateful Dead. Of course, there's there's people who beat up on them and and just never got it. But I think yeah. in general, I find that if you talk to someone who knows his music, they might not like them. But everyone says, okay, there was something special there. And Garcia, yeah, everyone says, yeah, that guy was a kick-ass guitarist. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt. doubt. Um, you know, he was able... It, it's like what Bob Dylan 
said that his eulogy, right? His and uh, when when he died, he said something to the extent of he was able to bridge like the Carter family folklore all the way to Ornett Coleman or something like that. I can't remember the yeah. exact quote. And it's true. He yeah. lots of lots of space there. Um, sure. And so. So, like you said, I, I do like to wrap up here with like recommendations and things mm. like that. So, what what's something good that you've read or, or seen, a movie or or a brand new band or something, album? What's something that yeah um, recently that you could pass on to the listeners? I already mentioned Groundation. I think they're really good jazz band, and they have uh, sorry reggae band, but they have jazz right. stuff in there. Do you know them? Do you know the Groundation? I I don't, but I wrote them down as well. Oh, <laughs> I oh! I almost envy you for the first. Do you do you like <laughs> reggae music? I do. Yeah, very much so. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm kind of envious yeah, for you to <laughs> discover it for the first time. He does his voice a little bit like is for vibration, so that gets maybe a little bit used getting used to. But it's it's really tight, really good reggae. And um, mm-hmm. the album I would recommend there is Hebron Gate. Um, okay. And they just last year they they had a remix of of Headrun Gate with this drum and bass uh, DJ, and it's just really good because it still grooves. Mm-hmm. It's not all torn up and all remixed. You know, it's still you can play it as an album. So um, in music, uh, yeah, Woven Hand. Um, I'm I'm pretty uh, loyal to. I like. Um, I like some of the alt country stuff. I like uh, Jason Isbell a lot. I love that guy. Has got something. His voice and his songwriting, very honest tales. Like when you listen to the lyrics. Yeah, Michael cool. Lugay, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate everything you've said today, and and it's been entertaining and enlightening and a lot of fun for sure. Thank you. Uh, lots of fun. Uh, like I got a huge smile on my face. Those of you who are just um, <laughs> listening, um, it just feels good to to talk to someone who just knows what I'm talking about, um, right? And and I think the audience does yeah, as well. The Grateful Dead just touched us really hard, all of us. So thanks all so much us. for inviting me. Very cool. For sure. All right. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment. Your feedback and engagement really goes a long way to supporting and growing the show. And really, this is your show with your stories. So if you have a story or even a few of them from seeing Grateful Dead shows or experiences of how the band has impacted your life in some way, I'd love to hear from you and have you on. My email is will at talesfromthelot.org. Reach out. Uh, Or you could use the new text me feature that's in the show notes. You can easily reach out and connect with me directly that way. And don't forget to follow on Facebook for updates and exclusive content. And for those who prefer watching, full videos of every episode are available on my YouTube channel. So uh, thanks again. And please be kind to yourself and others.